0: Good morning everyone, my name is Tim Harris, I am pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. Welcome to all of you in this house this morning, welcome to all of you in the overflow, welcome to all of you at the Franklin campus. God bless you guys, God bless you Pastor Eric, we love you from the bottom of our hearts and thank God for you, pray for you every single day. This is the second message in a series entitled Starting Point, Lessons in Beginning Again. So turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1. want us to begin this morning with the scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, very important scripture for us as believers, and it's one I want you to know and have in your hearts during this series. Say these words with me from the screen. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Say the last part again. The old has gone, the new has come. God is the only one who can give you a new beginning, the only one who can do that, Only God has that power. Now the most important new beginning is the new beginning that Christ gives us. We call that salvation. Salvation. Christ offers us the opportunity once in a lifetime to start over completely over spiritually. It's being brought from death into life. The old has gone, the new has come. That's what Paul's talking about here. The old is gone, the new has come. God offers us that new beginning in Christ as salvation when we become a Christian. But throughout our lives as Christians, God continues to give us new starting points. That's the only hope we have in becoming more and more like Christ. The promise that God allows us to start again and again and again sometimes. New beginnings. It's an old story about Little Hope Baptist Church. It was a tiny little place way out in the sticks, uh, a small congregation. They loved each other. They loved God even more. One of those places where the more things changed, the more things stayed the same. Nothing ever changed around that place. There was an old man, the old man named Maynard, who was the oldest living member, an old, old man, had been going to the church as long as anybody could remember Brother Maynard. And Maynard wore the same suit every single Sunday for as long as everybody could remember, which means probably the 40s, the man's been wearing the same suit, same shirt, same tie. Now, he always was wearing his best, of course, but the suit got to the point where it was literally falling apart. The shoulder was was separating. There were holes all through it. The buttons were missing. And Brother Maynard was coming up on his 85th birthday, so the little congregation got together and said, what if we pitch in together and buy Brother Maynard a new suit? What if we bought Brother Maynard a new suit? Some of us said, I, I don't know. I think that could offend him. I don't know if we should do it. They said, let's, let's do it. So they pitched in. They bought Maynard a brand new suit for his 85th birthday. Pastor and his wife took it over to the house on the Friday before Sunday so he could wear it on Sunday. They knocked on the door. Maynard came to the door. They said, Brother Maynard, this is a gift from the church. Happy birthday. We want to give you a new suit. Maynard just didn't say much. He he took the bag. He took the suit. He thanked him, closed the door, went inside. Not sure what to think, that they really weren't sure, but the next Sunday they were all waiting for Maynard to come in, just couldn't wait to see Maynard busting those doors with a brand new suit. But they waited and waited, and Maynard did not come to church that Sunday. He didn't come. For the first time in decades, Brother Maynard was not at Little Hope Church. They were worried then. The people understood we probably hurt his feelings. We've offended Brother Maynard. The last thing we wanted to do is offend him, and now we've offended him. So after church, pastor and a couple of the deacons went over to Brother Maynard's house, knocked on the door. Maynard answers the door in the new suit. He's got it on, and he's got his hair all slicked back. Now, Maynard had never put that much into getting ready. Suit, hair slicked back. He answers the door in the afternoon with the suit still on. I said, Brother Maynard, we missed you at church today. In all of our lives, you've never missed church at Little Hope. And we just wanted to stop by and make sure we didn't offend you by by giving you a new suit. Brother Maynard said, well, no, you didn't offend me at all. This is the nicest suit I've ever seen in my whole life. I really appreciate it. As a matter of fact, this morning, I put this suit on and I looked in the mirror and I had never looked so good. As a matter of fact, I looked so good, I went downtown and joined First Baptist. <laughs> Do you understand? Maynard had himself a new beginning. A new beginning. But sometimes with the new beginning, every time something begins, something else has to end. It has to End. And that brings us to Joshua chapter 1. This is an amazing, wonderful scripture. Take out your ink pen and underline in your own Bible some of these words. These are words to live your life by, friends. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun. Moses is, what's the word? Assistant. Moses is assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is, say the word, Dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you, from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. I love that. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Man tells a story about his grandparents, Bruton and Emma, who lived in Tupelo, Mississippi and got married in the 1920s. When Bruton proposed to Emma, he he told her, he said, I don't have much. I'm a poor man. I'm a farmer. And I found us a little house where I think we can live. It's got land and an old farmhouse. That house isn't much. But Emma, if you'll marry me, I promise you one day I'll build you a new house. Emma loved Bruton, so they got married in the 20s in Tupelo, Mississippi. They got married, and they moved into that old farmhouse. And when Bruton said it wasn't much, it wasn't much. Emma lived in it. She did her best to make it home. But every single day, every day in that house, she dreamed of the new house. She dreamed of the day when she wouldn't have to look at all of those walls with the holes in it and those floors with the marks. She dreamed of the day when she could get rid of that kitchen door that never would shut and all those cabinets that were hanging crooked. She couldn't wait for the new house. But Bruton just couldn't get around to the new house. So, some of you married to that man? Bruton just never did get around to building it. Finally, some 10, 15 years after they got married, finally Bruton said, Emma, it's time to build the house. So Emma and Bruton moved all their stuff out of the old house, moved in with her sister, and Bruton started tearing down the old house, building a new house. It was exciting. It was a lot of fun. And Bruton was one of those old men who could do it, who could build a house Taking down the old house, putting up the new house. Emma would drive by and look and dream. So excited, she would watch the house go up. Finally, the day came when Bruton said, Emma, let's go see the house. It's mostly finished. I want to see what you think. Emma walked in to the new house. And her heart broke. Because what Bruton did, he tore down the old house. And Bruton was one of those guys who would want to salvage stuff. You don't throw away anything good. Bruton tore down the old house and built the new house out of all the stuff from the old house. So when Emma walked in, it was like the same house. He hung those same kitchen cabinets that always hung crooked and the doors wouldn't open and shut. He hung that same kitchen door that never would close. He hung all the same, put all the same floorboards down with the same marks, all the same trim with the nail holes. He used all the old stuff She walked in the new house, and for the life of her, it's just like the old house. Can you imagine that? Do you not recognize it when it comes to new beginnings, when it comes to starting over, you've got to see that the most important part of having any sort of new beginning is being finished with the past. Now, too often, those of us who want a new starting point, who are hoping God will do something new in our lives, we want something new, but we try to recycle too much of the old stuff. We bring it right along with us, and that does not work. You cannot, cannot, cannot have a new beginning until you are ready to be finished with the past. You've got to be finished with the past. God does beginnings better than anybody in the whole world, but that simply means God also is pretty good with endings. And you and I must be ready for some very serious endings if we're ever going to experience the new beginning that God wants for our lives. Notice what the Scripture says. A new beginning is taking place in Joshua's life. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and God said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. Every new beginning begins with an ending. What's the ending here? Moses is dead. And that's exactly how God says it. Now, you got to recognize, you and I wouldn't say it that way. We never say dead. We never want anything to sound that final. If I were telling you that Moses had died, what would I tell you? I would probably say, I've got some bad news for you. Moses died has passed over, Moses has passed on, Moses has passed, passed by. I would probably say something like Moses has taken his final exodus. I would say Moses is listening to the songs of the angels, Moses bought the farm, kicked the bucket, whatever we'd say. But we'd say anything but he's dead. That sounds way too final. That sounds so definite and direct and hard. God does endings very well. So, God does not have any problems just saying the truth. Moses is dead. Moses is dead. God does endings very well. You and I, and then let's be honest, we tend to struggle with them. Endings are hard. Maybe that's why we try to soften them when they come by. Maybe that's why we tend to deny the impact of them. All of our lives, from the very beginning of our lives, we have to deal with endings. Whether it's the end of a beautiful summer and time to go back to school. Whether it's the end of a wonderful dinner at some friend's house. Or maybe the end of a relationship. You have to change jobs. You move to a new city. There's ending after ending after ending in our lives. It's simply a part of life. I wonder how you deal with endings because honestly, the way you deal with endings has everything to do with your ability to experience the new beginning God has for your life. What do you do when things are over? How do you deal with endings? Honestly, some people deny endings. And I know I'm looking in the faces of some people who deny endings. You you just deny them. You skip over them. You're the person that if you're about to change jobs or if you're about to move, you'll actually leave a day early to skip having to say goodbye to everybody. Do you know what I mean? You avoid endings. You don't like to say goodbye. You're the kind of person that will absolutely just skip through life. You're the kind of person that will actually leave a church service early sometimes. You just don't know what to do when things are over. It's painful or it's difficult or it's awkward for you. So you just deny endings. The problem with that is you never really close anything off. You're never ever finished with the past, which means you don't start new things well either. You can't start something new until you're finished with the old. Remember, the old is gone, the new has come. So in your life, there are probably some characteristics. You're probably one of those people who actually has a lot of endings. You don't do them well. You deny them, but things tend to end for you all of the time. Chances are, you're one of those people that skips churches from church to church all of the time. You don't do endings well, so you tend to have a lot of them. So you have to change church. Chances are, some of you in this house today or at Franklin campus or the overflow, in two years, you'll be in a different church altogether. You need to recognize that there's something wrong with you. There can't be something wrong with every church in America. There must be something wrong with you. It is not normal to have to change churches every two years. That's not normal. But honestly, for some of you, it is normal. You don't just change churches. Some of you actually have to change friends. You'll have a whole new group of friends in two years. Some of you change spouses. You can't stay married. You can't maintain a friendship. Nothing seems to go well for you. I'd like you to consider the fact that it might have something to do with the way you don't do endings very well. You're not taking care of your stuff. You're not cleaning up your mess. You just tend to drag it all with you. You're the kind of person that says, listen, I don't like to drag up the past. I don't like to talk about the past. I'm moving on. Don't you realize It's good, and actually it is healthy to bury the past. But you've got to make sure that what you bury is dead. Because if you bury things alive, they'll haunt you. If you bury things alive, they will haunt you. Whatever you bury, whatever you suppress, whatever you put away, you've got to make sure you put it away and you're finished with it. You've got to make sure it's taken care of. You've got to take care of your mess. You've got to clean up your stuff. Please hear what I'm saying. Endings are difficult. Sometimes the impact of an ending is surprisingly, surprisingly difficult and painful. But you've still got to move through the ending. you still got to feel what you feel and experience what you experience. Your ability to end well has everything to do with the way things begin again as God gives you a new start. Are you listening to what I'm saying? you got to feel what you feel. Honestly, some people have a real difficult time feeling I heard one guy say this week that he doesn't think his wife has any tear ducts. I don't know about that. I think we all got them, but some people just don't ever seem to use them. Honestly, some of us are just more emotional. In my marriage with Casey, I'm much more emotional than she is. I cry all the time. I cry. I I cry if I open a new store at the mall. I just cry. That's just me. My wife doesn't cry very often. She just doesn't cry. Now, she's very deeply emotional and a wonderful person. I love my wife with all my heart, but she's one of those people who just won't cry. As a matter of fact, I can watch Casey sometimes. I can watch it start coming up in her. And I know she needs to cry. And baby, she's going to blow. But she won't cry. And you know what it takes? All I have to do is say, Casey, do you need to cry? And then she's like, Lucille Ball. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah. It's so wonderful. The point I'm making is my wife's one of those people that she almost needs permission to cry. She almost needs somebody to say, Listen, it, it, it's okay, let it go. And I'm telling all of you permission to cry, permission to feel. Sometimes what is ending in our lives is extremely painful. When you bury a loved one, you bury a child or a mother or a father. When you bury someone that means something to you, what makes you think you can move through that and never cry your tears? What makes you think you can slide through life with things ending and you never have to stop and grieve those things? Lots of people try to deny what's ending, but but I'm telling you, if you deny it, that means you don't deal with it. It means you don't take care of the, of the mess of your life, and you keep dragging it right on through. You've got to see the truth of Scripture. When God says, Joshua, Moses is dead, therefore the time has come for you. Moses is dead, but that means that ending creates the opportunity for a brand new start for Joshua. If Joshua's not going to face the fact that Moses is dead, he can't have the new beginning God has in store for him. You can't deny endings. But there's another kind of person. Some of us actually try to delay them. We hang on to the past. When an ending comes our way, we just do our best to make sure that we hang on to it for for dear life. We can drag it out for days, weeks, months, even years. We can hang on forever truthfully for some of us this is our problem we do not know how to let go of the past we just don't know how to let it be gone and bury it dead and stop dragging it with us this is your problem perhaps you're dragging too much stuff with you heard one man say i tell you my marriage is probably over i just can't deal with my wife i can't talk to her every time we talk she gets all historical his buddy said you mean hysterical You mean hysterical? He said, no, historical. Every time we talk, she just keeps bringing up, bringing up everything I've ever done. Are you married to that person? Did you ever date that person anyway? My goodness, you can't get all historical all of the time. There comes a point where you've got to do what Scripture says and forgive, You've got to forgive. Now, I know that you're not some sort of nitwit. I know that when you forgive, you can't forget. None of us can forget. We're not like that. We remember God says that he is able to cast your sins as far as east is from the west. But I'm telling you, God is not some forgetful old man. It's not so much that the sins disappear from our memory. It's not that I forget completely what you've done to hurt me. It just simply means that for the rest of our lives, for the rest of our friendship, from here to all eternity, I won't keep bringing it up. That's forgiveness, my friend. That's forgiveness. I may remember it at times, but I'm going to refuse to bring it up. It's gone. It's gone. Some people delay endings. One of the sweetest ladies I ever knew was a lady named Peggy. She lived in Louisville. She was a senior adult lady, and I was blessed to to minister to her for a time. Peggy had loved her husband Marvin with a whole heart and was faithful to him. They had a wonderful life together, and, and Peggy was a widow. By the time I met Peggy, Marvin had been dead for several years. But Peggy was one of those widows who just could not let go. She just could not get past the pain. And Peggy would just cry, just cry and remember and go on and on and on as if the funeral had been yesterday. I would visit Peggy's house and I would walk in, walk right in the door. And as soon as you stepped in Peggy's door, whoever you were, it's not just me, anybody who walked in, Peggy would immediately say, I'm sorry about my house. I'm sorry about the house. And as you walk through the hall, she'd say, I know I need to change things. I know I need to move some things around. But I haven't been able to do anything to this house since Marvin died. I've left everything exactly where it was since the day he died. And everybody would say the same thing I would say. would say, Peggy, that's okay. Your house is beautiful. That's what I would say. Peggy, it's okay. Your house is beautiful. Except after about the hundredth time I visited her, and she kept saying the same thing. Every time I'd walk in the door, she would say, oh, I'm sorry about the house. I know I should change some things in the house, but honestly, I've not been able to. I mean, she would say the same thing every time anybody went to her house. Everybody heard the same apology. Everybody heard her say, I know I need to change things, but I just haven't been able to change anything since Marvin died. And then we would all say the same thing. Everybody would say, Peggy, your house is beautiful. Well, one day I decided to say something different. I mean, Peggy had been saying that to me for for months. Every time I walked in her house, and I loved Peggy. I just wanted to see what would happen if I said something different. So I went to visit Peggy. She came to the door. She let me in. She said, I'm sorry about the house. I know I should change some things, but honestly, I've left everything exactly where it was on the day that Marvin died and on and on. But I said, Peggy, what would you change? I didn't say Peggy your house, I said Peggy, what would you change? She looked at me like I hit her with cold water and then she said, I'd love to take some of these pictures down and I'd love a new couch. I said Peggy, why don't you do it? Peggy looked at me and said, I'm going to. (laughs) I'm not kidding, in one week, total home makeover, One week. That's all it took. One week. She just needed somebody to say, Peggy, do it. You can do it. You can move on. You can remember Marvin and you can love him, but you can move on. Somebody needed to tell Peggy that it was okay to move on. You cannot change the fact that things are over just by denying the fact that things are over. You can't hold on to the past. As wonderful as the past may have been or as horrible... You cannot change the fact that it's gone. Yesterday is gone. You can't delay the ending. You can't change the fact that today's a brand new day. And if you try to live in yesterday, you will never experience the new thing God has for you today. And God has something new for you today. God speaks to Joshua and says, Joshua, Moses is dead. Therefore, therefore, the time has come for you to lead. Notice the scripture there. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun. Moses is what? Assistant. Moses is assistant. This is what Joshua is called. Moses is assistant. Somebody explain to me how can you be the assistant to a dead man? How can you be the assistant to a dead man? It's actually very difficult, but this is the difficulty of every single new beginning. Every time God wants to do something new in your life, whether it is salvation, or whether it is God bringing uh, the, the person you're gonna marry into your life, or whether it's the beginning of a new school year, whatever new beginning God is trying to work in your life, you cannot have that beginning without experiencing the ending But in between, in between that ending and and that new beginning, there is this period of time for a while, it's very confusing, and it's very difficult. If you've ever buried a spouse or, or buried your parent, you know what this is. It's very, very difficult. I still feel so much like my father's son, you say, but how can I be the son to a father who's dead? How can I continue to be the husband to a woman whom I have buried? It's a very difficult time where you really don't even know who you are anymore. The person you've always been is somehow gone. And now your job, your task in the Lord... It is to let go of that person you've always been and to find that person that God wants you to be now. God is doing something new in your life, something brand new. You have the opportunity to become a brand new person. Only God can offer you this, but it's difficult. It's very, very difficult. It's so disorienting. It's so bewildering. How can Joshua be the assistant to a man who is dead? And how can Joshua now be the leader of God's people? He's always been the assistant. He's never had to step into these shoes. He's never had to do this job. He's never had to trust God like this before. You've got to let go of the person you've always been, and you've got to draw very close to the Lord And find the person that God wants you to be now. When change comes into your life, when tragedy comes, it always brings change. And the question is not why. Why is this happening? The question is, God, what's next for me now? What's next for me now? Because God is going to do something new in your life. I know it's hard. Of course it's hard. If it were easy, we'd all do this well all the time in our sleep. But this is not easy. Becoming a new person, starting over in the Lord, is is extremely difficult. Only God can give you the power even to do it. Letting go of that person you've always been, that's extremely difficult. What if you've always been an angry, bitter person? What if you've always been a person who never had to stand on his own? What if you've always been a person, always been a person with particular habits or a particular way of being, and now, because God wants to start over, you've got to change. You've got to let him change you. That's very difficult. Even the smallest habit, the smallest way of thinking, the smallest habit of speaking, these are very, very difficult things. It's not easy to change, not easy to become a new person. Donald Miller was a new Christian who was trying his best to, to allow God to change him to be the man that God wanted him to be. For Donald, one of his old habits that he felt like was inappropriate for him as a Christian was, uh, what do they call it, smokeless tobacco? It's chewing tobacco? What do you you, you call that stuff? Worm dirt? Something like that. Donald loved Copenhagen. You buy it in the little can, I guess, the, the redneck guys have it, or sometimes not redneck, sometimes redneck girls have it in their back pocket there. Donald loved it. He said that it gave him a buzz. It said that it made him feel energetic. He just really, really was addicted to that smokeless tobacco. He kept it in his lip all of the time. But as a Christian uh, whose body was the temple of the Holy Spirit, he felt convicted about it. He felt like that was wrong. And honestly, for for my opinion, I believe it's wrong too. Because for the simple facts that Donald knew, that it was dishonoring his body, which was God's temple, that he was bringing something into his body that was proven, proven to cause cancer, all kinds of oral cancers and all kinds of horrible things, not to mention the fact that no girl on earth was ever going to kiss him. Donald wanted to quit. He went online and downloaded all kinds of statistics and all kinds of of, uh, bad news about smokeless tobacco, and he would put that around his room and across his desk, but nothing would help. Every time he gassed up his car, he wanted to go in and buy a cold can of Copenhagen, and he did. He just could not quit. He couldn't quit. Till one day driving, listening to the radio of all things, there was an interview with a man And Donald joined it in the middle of the program, so he didn't know at first what he was listening to, but he was listening to the voice of someone whose voice was very, very damaged, very wrong. The voice, he said, was low and muffled and slobbery. As the interview progressed, Donald realized that they were interviewing a man who had his chin removed because of oral cancer from smokeless tobacco. Donald said it was the hardest thing in the world just to listen to that voice and try to picture a man speaking into a microphone with no chin, no jaw, just the tongue flapping. Do you understand? Donald quit that day. That's what it took. That's all it took. He quit that day. He never went back to to dip in Copenhagen. He didn't have to anymore. That, That was what it took to change his mind. I guess my question for you is what's it gonna take for you to make the changes you need to make to experience the new beginning God wants for you. This is part of your problem, isn't it? You know that God wants to do something new in your life, and and, and truthfully you would like to experience something new, but you don't know how you'll let go of all this. You don't know how you can let go of some of your habits. You don't know how you'll change your way of thinking about people. You don't know how in the world you can become one of those church people, one of those Christians. You have no idea how you can make that change. I'm telling you, that won't be up to you. That won't be your part. Your part is simply to put yourself in God's hands. Your part is simply to follow God's word, to make God's word, the Bible, the center of your life, to follow every word of God's word and not to deviate from the left or the right. When God's word says it, that's what you do. If God's word says something and you're living differently, you change the way you live. This is what the scripture says. This is the key. Do not let this book of the law disappear from your mouth, from your mind, but be careful to follow all of its ways, everything written in it. Then you will be successful in everything you do. We're not talking about getting rich. We're not talking about being successful in, in that way. Many preachers turn it around that way, but honestly, aren't there other ways of success that you crave more than just being wealthy? Wouldn't you just like to have a new beginning in the relationships in your life? You're so afraid of being single all of your life. Wouldn't you like to think that one day God is gonna do something new and you're gonna have somebody to love? Wouldn't that be wonderful? You're so afraid of being trapped in this marriage with this person that honestly you can't stand anymore. If you have to roll over and look at her face one more day, you think that you're just going to explode. How can you possibly, possibly make this marriage work? I'm telling you, God is able to give you this new beginning. God is able to do this. But you must be willing to let the old pass away. It's very, very difficult to give up the person you've always been, even if you don't like the person you are. It's very difficult because it's the only person you know. I only have one way of being Tim Harris. It's this way. How do I change? By the power of God. He changes me. I pray that he's still changing me. I am so far from his image, so far from what he wants me to be. But I'm trying my best every day to start brand new with him because that's the gift of what he offers me, grace. And it's new every morning. He'll do something new in my life, but I have to be ready for it. I have to be ready to move toward it. I have to be ready to let go and be finished with the past. I have to say goodbye to everything from yesterday because it's gone. Is that difficult? Yes. Is it painful? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why the word to Joshua and the word to me and you is be strong, be strong, be courageous. It takes courage, it does. It takes courage to embrace what you do not know, what you cannot see, the future God has for you. It takes courage to embrace that when all you know is the past. Even if the past is something you'd love to leave behind, it's still all you know, it's familiar. It takes courage to step forward. It takes strength. Be strong and courageous, God says to Joshua. For I am going to be with you wherever you go. You will never, ever be alone. You will never, ever be forsaken. You have the opportunity today to have an absolute new beginning. Don't you understand that? You can have a new beginning. You can't create this for yourself You can't change yourself or forgive yourself or save yourself. It's not in you. But this is what God does so very well. He will give you a new start, a brand new start. You've got to recognize that today is a brand new day. And tomorrow is a day that only God can see. But God calls you into a brand new future. And you can have that future. You can have that new beginning. But first, you've got to realize Yesterday is gone. Yesterday is gone. Pray with me. Yesterday's gone, oh Lord. And for some of us, that's what we want. The past is full of pain and regret lonesomeness, bitterness, sin, guilt, and we want to be done with it. Lord, we've never really been able to walk away from it, but Lord, if that's what you're offering, then that's what we're asking for today. Give us the strength to walk away from it. Stop dragging it with us, to put it away and bury it dead for good, Lord. That's, that's what we want. That's what we need. Lord, there are others in this house that's very, very difficult to say goodbye to yesterday because they were the best days of our lives, the happiest days. It's hard, Lord, to let go of those days not knowing if tomorrow will be as happy as yesterday. But still, yesterday's gone. Lord, tomorrow is the only day, Lord, that we might have to start over, to experience joy. So God, help us to be strong and courageous, to leave behind the person we've been and to find the new person you're making us to be in Christ. We can't do this on our own, Lord, But we recognize it's what you do best. And if it's what you want to do in our lives, then, Lord, here we are. We place ourselves in your hands, Lord God, and we ask you to begin again with us. Lord, today, begin again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.